0: Let's welcome Pastor Mark here this morning. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's stand together as our campus is joined with us in Appleton and Stevens Point, uh, as well as people who watch us all around Wisconsin on television, and those who watch us all over the world on the internet. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. Appleton, Stevens Point, Bob, you gotta come up here so they can see you. We have Hawaiian Bob with us today. (laughs) We match. (laughs) Big party tonight with our volunteers here at the Green Bay campus. Anyway, we are in, uh, actually, I'm using one of my earlier uh, iPads this morning, It's, it's called Paper because my iPad was dead, totally dead, 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 dead. I'm charging it up as we speak. But anyway, uh, we are doing a study on the significant events of the Old Testament, and we're going through it. Now, on our Wednesday night Bible study, we're going to be soon uh, going through the uh, uh, letter to the Hebrews, which is the New Testament. And uh, it's kind of really deep in the weeds until we get into that one. But uh, one of the things that the writer of Hebrews warns us as Christians is to make sure that we take lessons from these people who came out of Egypt and into the wilderness. And they weren't good lessons. They're, by and large, negative, terrible lessons. And that we should pay attention to them and learn from them. And that's what we're going to try and do. Last week, we talked about how um, they uh, came out of Egypt, came across Uh, The Red Sea, as soon as they got in trouble, they said, oh, we should have never left Egypt. As soon as they got across the other side, they got hungry. Oh, we should have have never left Egypt. So one thing that is a great temptation is always to keep looking back. And as I warned you last week, we have to avoid that. Jesus said nobody putting his hand to the plow and turning back is fit for the kingdom. And uh, he wasn't being mean. He's just warning us. The, The temptation, the desire, the overwhelming urge to keep referencing back to a time in our life where we made big mistakes or did horrible things or failed miserably, the temptation is overwhelming. It is just overwhelming for a variety of reasons. Now, if you look back longingly and wishing for those days, that's really bad, but sometimes it's just looking back, just trying to make sense of it all and trying to figure it out, and I know that's the desire, but at some point, you just gotta let it go, right? Let go and let God look forward. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind, pressing forward to those things that are ahead. So we are going to be looking, now continually going along, looking at some of these examples in, during this time in the Old Testament and uh, looking for analogies, things that we can learn from. Sometimes they're very obvious and easy to see. Sometimes it's a little difficult. Sometimes it can be as hard to find the truth and relevancy as it is trying to find the Sasquatch. All right? So, but anyway, we're going to uh, take a look at that. So here we're going to pick it up at Exodus, the 17th chapter, verse 1. Now, the whole Israelite community set out from the desert of Sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why are you hassling me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? The people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. And they said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt? They were constantly whining, wanting to go back. Something wrong with these people. Again, we're supposed to learn from this. Don't be like that. They were slaves in Egypt. It was an awful time for them. They were abused, misused, and as soon as they got in trouble, they want to run back to the familiar and uh, and when you're challenged for faith oftentimes the easiest thing to do is to run back to the familiar because faith is often unfamiliar to us it's new territory okay and the warning is not to do that so anyway why did you bring us to Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst they weren't <laughs> everything everything they said is we're dying <laughs> we're dying always oh, dying eh, no matter what it was we're dying little <clears throat> melodramatic. But anyway, um, <clears throat> then Moses cried to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. Many leaders know what that feels like. Eh? <clears throat> <clears throat> Everybody mad, they to kill you. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel. Take in your hand the staff which you, with which you struck the Nile and go. I'll stand before you by the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come busting out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, "Is not the Lord uh, is the Lord among us or not?" That's the other thing. Oftentimes, when we feel like we're hitting hitting a hard time, it feels like God's a million miles away. It does. It just does. But he's not a million miles away. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he means it. Say, well, then why do I feel that way? It's just your feelings. Don't get caught up by your feelings. Don't live by your feelings. Uh, My feelings do not define me. If you think your feelings define you, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. When you're feeling good, you're going to feel blessed. No, oh, everything's great. When you're feeling lousy and miserable, you know, oh, my love, God has left me in my face. Stop. Feelings go up and down, in and out. Sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. Who cares? <clears throat> you got to just focus on God and don't get so obsessed. Too many people are just obsessed by their feelings today. Our whole nation is obsessed with feelings. Ah. All these little snowflakes dying because someone said something they didn't like. (laughs) Is the Lord among us or not? All right. Now, the reason this is a significant event in the Old Testament is because the exact same thing is going to happen later. Only there's a different outcome later. And because of the outcome, God does not let Moses go into the promised land. Now, that is frustrating, right? And we'll explain that. But, man, his whole deal was let my people go. We're going to the promised land, land flowing with milk and honey. All this is being fulfilled, prophesied about. Here he's the guy. They're going. They finally get there. And he doesn't get to go in. Why not? Why not? We'll find out when we get to this same type of experience, same event pops up, only the second time he doesn't handle it the way he's supposed to. Because the people were driving him crazy. They gotta cut him some slack. These people were driving him nuts. Every single time they get up, they wanted to kill him, freak out, always saying why we can't do it, why we can't do it. You ever hang around people like that? Oh, you guys can't do it, it can't be done. You know, like they're Eeyore, you know who Eeyore is? Always walking around, cloud over Said, head, oh, bother. Oh, bother. We're going to die. Everything's horrible. We're never going to make it. It'll never succeed. Real, real encouragers, <laughs> these people. All right, so anyway, now you got a million-plus people out in the desert wandering around. Now, the local countries, they see this going on, and they're freaking out. They feel threatened. So the first country strikes out to try and destroy this group of people called the Amalekites. The next verse says the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses says to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I'll stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua, we're going to learn a lot about Joshua coming up. He's the one who actually takes them into the Promised Land. Fascinating leader. He's the guy who believed God. He's the one who always thought, we can do this, we can do this. Everybody, we can, that way we can, yes, we can. He was a great leader. Anyway, so Joshua goes, takes the guys down to fight the Amalekites, uh, as Moses had ordered, and then Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. Now, Moses is up there, he's holding his hands, as, holds, as long as he's holding up his hands, blessing the people. The Israelites were winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Well, that had to be creepy, <laughs> What is that? Hold your hands back up. We're winning. Oh, that's interesting. We're losing. Oh, we got to win. All right? Uh, and of course, his hands get tired. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Today we have chairs. but Somebody grab a rock. And uh, so Aaron and her held up his hands for him, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset, So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. What's the analogy from this little account? And that is this. You can't just expect some leader to do it all by himself. It just doesn't work that way. I can't do it all by myself. No pastor or leader of any church can do it all by themselves. They need support. They need help any people that will be there for them and lift them up and hold up their arms. And I feel very blessed here at Celebration Church that I sense a lot of that from all of you. Uh, Yes, thank you. (laughs) Last year was a real dark year for me. And uh, at times, you can't even pray. You ever feel like that? You just can't pray. I know you're supposed to pray. I know how to pray. And I just couldn't pray. It's like your prayers go out of your mouth, hit the ceiling, and slam on the floor. But even in the midst of that, I could feel the strength of God lifting me up. And it was your prayers. So many people praying for me, all over the world, actually. It was quite amazing. And I'm telling you, you could really sense it. And I thank you for that. Sometimes no leader is supposed to be able to do it all himself. It's one of the reasons so many pastors burn out and give up and fail in the ministry. Actually, it's a major problem in churches. These pastors just hit out this burnout phrase because they're trying to do everything themselves, which we're going to read more about in a different example next. But you can't do it. Nobody can do it by himself. We need to have people who help us, lift us up. I have wonderful men that work with me in the church here, uh, our pastors, the various campuses that we all work together, and they help to hold me up and help us to do the ministry of God together. When your system is built on just one guy, you can't do it. You just can't do it. Now we're going to find more about this in the next event. Verse, uh, chapter 18 now, verse 13. Jethro comes to visit Moses. Now this is not the Beverly Hillbillies. How <laughs> the young people, huh? What? what, what what's that? What's that is rest of you geezers know what I'm talking about. But Jethro is his father-in-law. Jethro is a priest of Midian. Kind of hard to get your head around all this. Moses spends 14 years in the home of a priest of a foreign god. 40 years before God appears to him in the burning bush and tells him to go back and get the people out. I'll be with you. He didn't want to go, remember? He didn't want to go. Uh, but he went. And it's now he has the people out of Egypt. So Jethro comes to check him out, see how things are going. So the next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law, who was Jethro, saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what are you doing? <laughs> what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone, alone sit as judge, while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said, well, because the people come to me to seek God's will. And whenever they have a dispute, boy, there's something people like to have disputes. It's amazing how people can fight over the stupidest things on earth. But when it's you, it's important, right? It's a big deal to us. Now the guy's a poopy head, and I don't like that poopy head, and we've got to settle this. So they all come to Moses to settle their disputes. He says, it's brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Well, Moses' father-in-law replied, what you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You can't handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I'll give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him, and and you need to teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how... they are to behave, but select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this, and God so commands, you'll be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. So Moses listens to his father-in-law. He did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel. Made them leaders of the people. Officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They served as judges for the people at all time. In the difficult cases, they brought to Moses, but the simple ones, they decided for themselves. So here is an important thing that is learned and nations to this day still have this kind of a system we certainly have it in the United States of America you have a dispute you start with the lowest judge on the totem pole and if it seems like a reasonable decision uh, you move on if you think it's he got it wrong you can appeal to the next judge and to the next one and to the next one until you eventually get to the Supreme Court and then they have the final say they take the very difficult cases at the supreme court. Well, this is what Moses sets up. Thanks to his father Jethro, he sets up this system where he's not dealing with everything. He only only the cases that have to go up the chain to get to him are the ones that he would deal with. And it lifts this huge load off him. Of, otherwise, he is trying to settle people who are fighting over chickens or something, you know. I mean, he's he's got to do everything, and it's exhausting. Another important thing that churches need to do, pastors should not be trying to do everything. There are so many churches in America where the pastors do everything. You say, well, yeah, there's smaller churches. It's not just smaller churches. There's some really big churches. They might have a staff of, who knows, 10 times our size, but these guys are micromanagers, and they micromanage every little detail that's going on, They have meetings all day long, every day of the week, and then preach on Sunday morning. Uh, You've got to think that's going to have a negative impact on them. It's going to, again, why so many of these guys either get off track, lose their values, or get burnt out and have to give up. Uh, You know, nobody is supposed to be like that. I am not like that. I have my men that work closely with me, my campus pastors who handle the majority of the small details and even some very large ones. Only the big yo mama ones come to me. Okay. I'm at the 10,000, 30,000 foot level looking down. If I see something I don't like, that's when I speak up, but it's very rare. Okay. I let these guys do their jobs and they do a great job of it, which and I've told you this many times. If you want to know something that's going on in this church, don't ask me. I don't know. It's not that I don't care, I just don't know. The small deeds about when when when's when's children's camp? Well, I don't know. You know, I find the stuff out when you find it out, sitting in church. I go, oh, that's interesting. We're doing that. How nice is that? You know? Why? That's at the smaller levels. Keeps me from burning out. Allows me to do more than a lot of pastors can do. In fact, if there's one thing I get from pastors everywhere I travel, all over the world, the one constant constant phrase that is handed to me is how do you do it how can you travel and and speak to our couples and still pastor a church they can't comprehend it it is totally outside their deal and I always say it's because I have good people around me that's how I can do it and it's still hard for them because they have good people but they're micromanagers they're just that way you know they got every little thing constantly micromanaging every little thing I do not do that I don't want to do that I actually, if I tried to do it, I would really suck anyway. I can barely figure out where I'm going when I'm driving, much less, you know. <laughs> I just need somebody to say, "Oh, you're supposed to turn here. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot, you know. I get off and plant a zombo somewhere. So, so anyway, that's the lesson that they learn here. Don't try to do everything yourself. Uh, if you talk to someone in your department in the church, if you feel like they're not being heard, you can go to Pastor Bob, Pastor and Pastor Joe, Keith, Ben, whatever, uh, and make your case to them. If you feel they are still not hearing you, then you may appeal unto Caesar, okay? <laughs> and then Caesar will rule. Now, it might take a while for Caesar to figure out what you're talking about because I don't know anything. <laughs> But I can find out, and that's true. I mean, seriously, if you feel that frustrated, just don't get mad and leave. I'm stunned at the amount of people who just get mad. They'll, they'll, they'll hit the first layer, and if they don't get the resolution they want, and everybody feels strong about everything, right? You know, don't get just mad and leave. Go up the food chain, and if you're not being heard, then then come see me. See, I I want to meet with Pastor Mark. I, I'm getting frustrated with this, and you can meet with me. It's fine. I'll do it, and uh, we'll try and talk it through and see if we can't find. A positive resolution although always keep in mind not everybody wins at the Supreme Court <laughs> all right somebody wins somebody loses all right it's not the end of the world if you don't win at the Supreme Court you don't leave the country and become a communist okay just go as high as you can and, and at some point you've got to realize you may not prevail but in any event that's how we do things here at all of our campuses even over in Stevens Point, our furthest campus, if need be, you can appeal even to me to step in a situation, and, and I will. All right? But I don't handle all that stuff because if I did, I would be a wreck. And I don't want to be a wreck. Amen. <laughs> I love you, but I don't love you that much. And it was... All right, then we get to one of the big, yo mama, major events of the Old Testament. This is a biggie. Okay, this is like the B. Moses goes up, talks to God, and God gives him ten commandments. All right, we're going to look at the ten Now, if you keep reading, it's more than ten. They keep giving all kinds of commandments about everything, rules and laws. There's chapters You start this chapter 20, just keep going, 21, 22, 23, all the rules about this. And it gets longer and longer and longer as we go through the other uh, books where Moses is speaking and teaching. The law of Moses, I mean, they are putting rules for everything. There's rules that he's up there and God's giving him instructions about what to do if somebody digs a hole and doesn't cover the hole and someone's donkey falls in the hole. Really? This is a rule. Apparently, there were a lot of potholes back then. I don't know what the deal is. They had rules for the craziest things, how to deal. If a guy punches someone in the face and knocks out his tooth, what you should do? On and on. One of the strangest ones. <laughs> I ain't making this up. They had a rule. They said if two men are fighting and the wife of one of the men jumps in and grabs the other guy by the gonads, what you're supposed to do. Now I'm thinking, seriously? There is that much go go-night grabbing that you need a rule in the Bible. <laughs> Apparently they were rather grabby. <laughs> One thing about those women, they knew how to get a man's attention. Ah! You know what I'm saying? Like, oh my goodness gracious. So we're talking all kinds of rules. <laughs> The good news is we don't live by all these rules anymore because of the fact that we don't live by the Old Testament rules, the law of Moses. We live by the law of grace and the law of love, which I'll explain in a minute. Now, most people at some point can grasp the concept that we don't live by the law of Moses, but they say, well, what about the Ten Commandments? Surely we live by that. Well, yes and no. And let me explain. Let's look at these commandments. God spoke these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Boom. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Now, jealousy is a good thing. A lot of people don't understand jealousy because we don't know how to speak English anymore. We speak youper, some people around here, you know, or, or, or Southern talk or whatever. I don't know whatever the deal is, but uh, jealousy doesn't mean paranoia. You know, my husband's always jealous. Every time you look, oh, it's so jealous. No, that's not jealousy. He's a nut job, all right? Wives are the same way. That's not jealousy. They're crazy in the head. That's insecurity and paranoia jealousy if you look up the definition simply means to be intolerant of unfaithfulness and every one of you should be jealous intolerant of unfaithfulness god is a jealous god he's not a paranoid god he's a jealous god and will not tolerate people being unfaithful to him particularly when it came to worshiping other gods He says, and then he's punishing the sin of the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Now, this one really fries my Puerto Rican pancakes (laughs) because this is one of the most misquoted, currently misquoted (laughs) verses in the Bible today. People go around talking about generational curses. Pastor, there's generational curses. We're dealing with generational curses in our family. Oh, yeah, where do you get that from? Well, he says it'll visit from the sons to the next to whatever generation. if this is god you don't have to pray for god to stop a curse and he didn't say it was a curse anyway he said this is for people who hate him do you hate him then yeah you might have a problem all right this idea to, well well there's patterns yes it's called being human and there's not that many generational curses anyway well we got alcoholism in our family well there's a shock There's a handful of things everybody deals with. There's patterns, and there's patterns for whatever reason, but it's not God doing the pattern. Well, we need to break the devil's hand because the devil, it doesn't say the devil does it. God says, I'll do it if you hate me. All right? I don't think people have problems hating people. This is one of the most absurd, ridiculous concepts that is misspoken over people constantly today. Don't do it. Somebody tells you, well, you probably got generational curses. Just smile at them and get away from them. All right? Generational curses is my butt. So, third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Next command, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Next commandment, remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Six days you shall labor, do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do not do anything Any work, neither you, your son, your daughter, your your male or female servant, your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, made it holy. Next one, honor your father and mother. He's talking to adults, by the way. He's not talking to children. There are parts in the Bible where it says children obey your parents. That is to children. When he's talking about honoring your father and mother, he's talking to adults. When Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for not honoring their mother and fathers, these were adults, grown men and women. It's very easy for grown adult men and women to become very disrespectful to their parents. You should not do that. Well, I don't like my mother-in-law. Well, shut up. You signed up for this. All right. <laughs> Well, I don't, have to be, I don't have to be nice to my dad because he, he, he was mean and I... No, no, no. And you can come up with all your excuses. People, man, they get so mad at me about this. When they were talking about it on the Internet, you should just see a lot. People going crazy. Trying to justify why well, they don't have to honor their parents. Yeah? Well, they can stick it because you still got to honor them. All right? Say, so, well, they're crazy. Well, we all had crazy parents. that's my son. <laughs> all right? But you need to honor, show some respect. One of the commands that you might live long in the land. 13 or the 13. <laughs> the next commandment, verse 13. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. And then finally, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Pastor, surely we must obey All of these again the answer is yes and no the truth of the matter this is still part of the law of Moses we do not live by the law of Moses whether you mean we can kill people no 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 you can't kill people all right Uh, the Bible says this in the New Testament that this law is summed up with one new law it's called the law of love if you walk in love you don't kill people ordinarily you don't steal from them You don't lie about them. You don't take stuff from them that doesn't belong to you. All this stuff. If you walk in love, you fulfill the commands. Now, the reason why I say it's not exactly uh, every part of it is because there's parts of it that, quite frankly, we don't do. You know, anybody ever put a uh, garden gnome in your garden? You heathens. Remember, don't make for yourself an image in the form of anything. Well, we have all kinds of images today. You know, we, just, we don't live by that kind of strictness. In Israel, they do. They don't take these, they take these things rather seriously. Um, the Sabbath, which is Saturday. Anybody do work yes yesterday? How evil are you? We don't follow it. Now, traditionally, we would say we would take Sunday. And there's people who make great biblical arguments on why everybody should take one day of the week and just not produce anything and it's good for you to do that. Okay, I can buy that. Although the New Testament says we have entered God's Sabbath now, by faith, by grace, we'll enter, We, If you're walking in this, you walk in a permanent state of rest. We, so, it, really, salvation in and of, self, of itself fulfills all of that. So, just to point out, I mean, the Ten Commandments are still important. We should teach them to our children so they understand it. Uh, but are Christians who still try to literally obey all this. Um, you know, Seventh Day Adventists, great people. I've got great Seventh Day Adventist friends. I've spoken at many of the churches. They're universities. They like me. I like speaking at Seventh Day Adventist churches. It's one of the easiest churches in the world to talk about sex, and I have no idea why. Even the little old ladies in the front row are grinning, going, "Yeah, go for it!" You know, wow, man, these people are like, you know, <laughs> fabulous people. They love God, but they believe that you have to keep this commandment. They don't buy my explanation of that we don't live by the law of most. So they, they're very, very strict about it. Okay, fine. I mean, everybody's going to have their differences about things. But by and large, the answer is we don't live by the Old Testament laws. Don't be taking Old Testament laws and hammering people with it. You know, well, the Bible says you shouldn't be hanging ornaments from trees and stuff like that because it was tied to some kind of paganism. So lots of Christians think that it's a sin to have a Christmas tree. No. Well Old Testament law says something about marking yourself. That's why people say, Christians should not get tattoos. No, we don't live by the Old Testament law of Moses. Get over it already. You want to have a tattoo? Get a tattoo. Although, in all fairness, 20 years from now, it ain't going to look the same. (laughs) Some of you are going to rue the day you marked your bodies up, man. You're just going to moan and groan, and it's going to fade and stretch, and that little bird turns into the nose of some kind of a monster or something. You know, just, you know. I think it's hilarious, and I'm going to be laughing my butt off. Although if I ever get a tattoo, it will be on my butt, and it won't matter because none of y'all are going to be able to see it. I have one in mind, but I won't tell you what it is, okay? <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny. But uh, so anyway, this is, now, so this is the biggie. This is, this is the beginning. The Ten Commandments is the beginning of the law of Moses. It is rather intense. I've always warned you, don't be going to Old Testament rules to be hammering us in New Testament times. We no longer live by that. What about some of these major important? Well, it's fulfilled in the law of love. If you love people, you don't do these things to people. And you're kind and considerate of others. Love, the New Testament says, is the fulfillment of the law. All right, now, we're going to see what happens next week when Moses comes to deliver these commandments. (laughs) Wait till you hear this. This is something else. All right, we'll continue to learn. Mostly what not to do as christians today let's pray father we thank you for your word and for your truth help us to grow from it help us lord to understand that no one man should try and do everything in the church and help us to all play our supporting roles from holding up the arms in prayer or to jumping in and helping to head different departments and stuff and help with resolutions and stuff in the church and just always to remember that nobody nobody no one person can do it all help us not to even expect That sort of thing. And help us, Lord, to walk in the law of love. There's a lot of complicated laws in the law of Moses. In the Old Testament, it was all written on stone. But in the New Testament, you said the new law is written on our hearts. It's written on our hearts. Hearts of flesh, new commandment. And that commandment is to love and to love one another and help us to grow in our faith. As we learn from this experience at this time uh, in, in the Bible, mainly of what not to do. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen.